All right. So this is, uh, well, Gig Gab, the Working Musicians podcast episode. I don't know what episode number this will be. This may be a, a negative episode number that never reaches the public, or this may be episode two uh, for February 9th, 2015. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton and... In Las Gatas, Paul Kent. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. A little under the weather. I played a, a gig at a house party and uh, it's it's rainy and cold out here in Northern California. And in order to keep a little bit of air going through the house party, uh, they opened up the screen door. And so I've been breathing moist air for uh, about four or five hours while gigging last night and it got me today. Yeah. So, Yeah. Don't come to New Hampshire and play summer gigs on the seacoast then. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Yeah. But I've been pretty healthy for a while. So I guess I was due. I got to get, I, I have an acoustic gig on, on a Friday night. So I got to figure out the five day uh, process to kill this thing though. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the last minute process for me, if I'm on my way to a gig and um, I always warm up my voice in the car on the way to a gig, I have a, a playlist. There's actually like three songs that I've learned over the years. If I sing those in the car, I'm totally warmed up and it's the right order for me and all of that. And That's if I'm cool. having trouble with those, I have uh, Advil and Sudafed. And so that's the trick. You know, if you've got a sore throat, I actually played in a band with a doctor uh, years ago, an internist. And he said that when, and he, he uh, practiced close enough to Boston that occasionally there would be, you know, like opera singers, touring opera singers or something that would come in and, and they'd have laryngitis and he'd have to deal with it. And it was always a shot of prednisone and they were a hundred percent. Oh, yeah. And he explained to me that it's when, wait, yeah, yeah, you don't, you and I don't want to take prednisone. If I take prednisone, I have to move out of the house. My wife tells me. <laughs> but, <laughs> or, or, or you will physically move the house. Yeah. One or the other. That's right. Um, but, uh, you know, he said that the, when you can't sing, it's because your throat's inflamed. So you want an anti-inflammatory and prednisone, of course, is a fantastic one, but um, has some odd side effects. It like, right. you know, rage and mania, but, uh, <laughs> a, 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 which are not necessarily a bad thing for singing rock and roll, right? That's right. This can work out just fine. That's right. As long as the tempo is not in your hands, but, yeah. um, it, but you know, Advil is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, right? So, um, if I take like four of those and a Sudafed, that is usually enough to coast through the gig. For me, it's always about resonance. You know, like a couple of years ago, I had that surgery where they root rooter your sinuses and clear it out. And, and it was kind of weird. You know, I felt a little bit, you know, lighter for about six or eight weeks. And then it seemed to have gone back. When I get cold, it's always about clogged up in sinuses. And then as you're trying to kind of feel where the notes are supposed to be placed when you're singing, that's harder for me to do. So, you know, as, as a not trained singer, I have these little kind of, you know, these little uh, checklist of things that I try to do when I'm hitting notes that are challenging for me. And if I can't really feel the buzz up in my, up in my nasal passages, it gets a little bit harder. I, I rarely have throat issues. I mean, I, I kind of got over the singing wrong and actually hurting my throat. Sure. Now it's just all about being able to kind of feel where the notes are supposed to go to hit the higher ones. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You always, uh, you know, the higher the note, the lower you got to pull it in your gut. Right. Yeah. And, but for me, it's all just kind of feeling where in your head for the head voice stuff that, you know, it's coming out of, but got it. Yeah. So wish me luck. I'll spend the week, you know, dousing myself with good things, resting, lots of water, not to talk too much, a lot of water. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, and then next week's podcast, I'll let you know how I did. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That was always, that, that was always the issue with, uh, with our Cirque du Mac gigs together was trying, taking care of your throat in those two days before a gig when, 
you were a in a convention hall and you know, no way you were going to be hydrated enough. It just was impossible, you know, and then talking probably louder be, than you normally would. Cause the, you know, average DB in there is like 85 DB. Oh uh, yeah, time. absolutely. Right. And you know, for, you know, for people who, uh, uh, Dave made a reference to Cirque du Max. So I, I had said last week, Dave and I work in, in the same industry and we actually first got together with a little pickup band to play a party in our industry at one of the trade shows. And what Dave's referencing is what it's like to actually be at a trade show where you're a, you're talking, which is terrible for your voice all day for days. You're tired and you're suffering from lack of sleep. And then you're going to go out and try and perform some music. So it was a, it was a, a, a feat uh, of, uh, Pure determination that got us through those things. That's what it was. Yeah, that's right. And that, I mean, that made it fun. I mean, it was frustrating at moments because it's like, I know I can actually sing this song, just <laughs> not today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The lack rehearsal. of sleep makes it hard. Yeah. The lack of sleep too. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you're just, you know, you're stretched thin everywhere and then it's like, okay, now guess what? <laughs> you got to go play. Yeah. But, you know, the, the other side of that is that, you know, the endorphins and the enthusiasm and the excitement you feel, it's amazing what you can accomplish on those things as well. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you've got your gig coming up this weekend and I've actually, I'm not, uh, you know, I got to look at the calendar. I don't think I'm playing this weekend, but um, I am helping out. There is a, uh, there's this event we do every year. A friend of mine has organized and I always help him out. Uh, with the event called Teens Rock Rochester, and Rochester's a town local uh, local to us here, and he gets I think five bands together, and it's a it's a battle of the bands, and so there's five bands. They each get uh, 20 minutes on stage, and that we give them a backline, and uh, and then they get to play, uh, you know, probably four songs, and uh, there's several different types of of prizes that they can win, and and actually several different angles of, of, of prizes. They get best original judged by some uh, local songwriters and, and studio producers and, uh, and then a popularity prize, how many people put tickets in your box and that sort of thing. But, uh, but two of the bands are bands that I'm uh, help out. One is actually a band that my daughter is in. And so I'm uh, aware of, you know, what they're doing and they kind of come to us for advice. And then I also coach the, um, local high school rock band club who is also performing at this. And the, the, the thing that has come up quite a bit this week is, um, song selection set list organ. Yeah. yeah. And I know, you know, we started talking about that uh, last week when we chatted and you even at pre-show today said, can we talk about set list? And I was like, yeah, man, it's, it's absolutely. Yeah. So it's a great topic of discussion. And, and I think I mentioned this last week. Um, Part of being in a cover band, maybe part of being a musician is, um, is trying to, you know, that your taste is better than everybody else's and be playing music is, is an act of expression of showing how right you are about everything. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, totally. Total. Well, I mean, yeah, it takes a, a confidence to get up there on the stage and say, here is not only here's what I can do, but here is what I have selected to show you about what exactly. I can do. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. It's all about that. It's like this music. I know music so well, I'm going to pull out these songs and I'm going to perform them so well because my taste in music is so awesome. And my interpretation of music is so awesome. Watch me be right is kind of, you know, often what being a musician is all about. Yeah. The set lists are kind of interesting things. So, you know, my thoughts on set lists is, and I've learned a lot over years. So, so there's the, 
there's the realities of your situation. There's understanding very clearly um, what are you going to play for. So I'll, I'll give you an example. So we play club dates. Sometimes we play club dates that are you know nine thirty to to one thirty. Sometimes we play club dates that are seven thirty to ten thirty. We play a lot of festivals. Sometimes we are in the middle of the lineup. Sometimes we get to be the headliner or close it at the end of you know of a lot of bands being on. Um, there's a concert series where people are just come to see us and, and we do those types of things, and they're all slightly different vibes yep. and they're all slightly different um, philosophies to um to a set list my favorite ones are when we get to close a festival because the the audience has been listening to music they're all amped up and you know we get to kind of hit as hard as we want to hit right from downbeat those are really really fun you know two hours pedal the metal we just go those are great you get to start with the second set yeah exactly yeah and you know start at 10 and end at 15 that's that's what those are and those those are really fun you know, nightclub gigs, the ones that are 730 to 1030, um, you know, you start a little slower. People are kind of filtering and it's kind of early and you kind of, you know, you always want to have good dance music and, you know, that type of thing. But the, the really high octane stuff gets a little bit later in the night. Uh, what else? Uh, concert series. You know, have we been there before? Is it our crowd? Do they know us? Uh, and therefore I would design, you know, for something like that. Or is it a first time out? How has it been promoted? You know, is it a great crowd right in the beginning or are people kind of filtering in? Do I know this information is another thing, right? right? So a lot of times you don't know. And so, you know, you write a set list that gives you some options and, uh, and you get, you know, you kind of try to cover all bases. But my biggest thing about set list, so, you know, I, I am one of the biggest Bruce Springsteen fans in the world. I don't know if you know that, Dave. I, you know, being around you and knowing <laughs> you, uh, I've, I've gotten these inklings that you might be uh, a, a, a fan of the boss. That's right. I have I have maybe made that known on occasion, but <laughs> and I always have loved the lesson of of the way that he writes a set list it's like a it's like a beautiful story you know these three hour to four hour shows that he thinks about the arc and i've actually been as obsessive as i've taken a whole um tours worth of set lists and kind of mapped them out as to the intensity of the songs yep and seen what kind of um what kind of like data flow there is to them you know he you know typically starts at about an eight and does usually a three or four song intro set and then, you know, brings it down for a little while and then kind of peaks again in the middle and then, you know, then down and then he goes to eight to 10 to 12 to 100. And that's the end of a show. And you walk out drained like he walks out drained. But the difference is we're not that. And it takes me I, I so much want to be able to do that. Right. Sure. But A, we're not doing three hour shows. And and B, you know, it's not always this, uh, you know, we're not we're not the e street band. And so, right. you know, throttling it back and kind of taking what the defense has given me is kind of a, the learned <laughs> lesson you do. of what you do. No, I've always thought about it. it. You know, there's a there's a sports analogy here and you've got to be the quarterback. But, it, you know, it's as much about figuring out what you can do versus what the crowd is into. And, and, you know, part of that though, is you've the the crowd sometimes, like you said, when you're ending a festival, you get automatic energy from the crowd. And that's awesome. What a gift yep. that is. We used to get that at Cirque du Mac too. It was almost guaranteed. You walk on the stage. Well, that was our crowd. Right. That's it. Yeah. 
But um, but that doesn't happen at every gig. It's not like like you said, it's not like you're walking on stage every night and and there's, you know, 5,000, 50,000 or even, you know, 50 people there that are just totally stoked and ready to go. You kind of have to coax them along sometimes. And it is up to you. Yeah. You've got to pour the energy at them so that they come back with it. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things about um, the really seasoned band. So there are the bands of people who are, um, they get it, you know, they grew up with rock and roll and they kind of get that transformative experience of what that music can do for you. And they're so committed to it. Even if they're not natural performers, they're just so committed to expressing themselves because they know what it meant to them. And that's kind of a raw energy that has its own thing that I think is actually a pretty cool thing. But what's interesting is watching seasoned performers, whether they're local cover band guys or, you know, touring bands on their way up or, or whatever it might be, just kind of learning how to how to use the moods of different music in order to own a crowd and, and to go over. You know, there, there's a one of the more famous bands in this in area here. He's been around for a really long time. He's you know, probably one of the best paid bands in the area here. And um, he talks about that point in a show where, you know, you hit a double, you hit a triple. But when you hit the home run and all of a sudden the audience is yours and then you own it for the rest of the way. And, you know, what do you send them home thinking about, you know, that experience that they had? And that always kind of inspired me is, you know, uh, you're, you're after hearts and minds. And that's kind of what, what I always do. And when I'm writing a set list is like, what do I know? What do I don't know? Right. You know, what am I, what am I prepared to solve as we go along? And, and how about this? Do you always have can't miss songs in your back pocket that if, if all your cleverness is going to hell, are you ready to pull out something that always works? And do you know what that song is? Absolutely. Oh yeah. So you gotta, it, you gotta have the back pocket. There's no yeah. question. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. In fact, I, I, um, with uh, with Fling, which is the band where I I design set lists more than than any other, at least these days, um, I organize our songs by what purpose they serve in the set, um, and that that has served us very well, both in terms of building the set list ahead of time, but also uh, you know in in uh, in real time at the gig dealing with okay we're yeah we're in a we're in a tough spot either we've got to bring it down a little bit or we've got to bring it up big time right yeah. and and so yeah we do we have those songs and uh depending on the night it, it can be a lot of different things but uh but i've got a a, a list of of get them up songs that are they're five songs and no matter what's going on people stand up and start moving when we play any of these five tunes and it's yep. and I I will put two maybe three of them in the set list, but not all of them because I gotta hold something back. Got it. Yep. Um, can you can you share what they are? I, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it, the 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 old standby, Sweet Home Alabama. There's something magical about that song that people just stand up. Uh, I I don't hate playing it, but if I can get through a gig without having to play it, I feel like I've accomplished something. Yeah. Because, because it's, it, you know, it's, it's easy to go to the list. Honky Tonk Woman by the Stones. That's another one. Yeah. People get right up. Fool in the Rain, Zeppelin. That, that's got that, that shuffle groove that people just can't help but not move, right? I mean, they just, they're up. Uh, Jenny, Jenny, Tommy Two-Tone. That's another one. And, uh, and Blister in the Sun from Violent Fence. Uh, yeah. 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 And they, they work at different times. You know, they, they're all 
pretty safe bets, but at any one point in the set or, or given a crowd, if I see that we've got a lot of eighties people in the crowd, blister in the sun, that's where we're going. You know, maybe Jenny, Jenny kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yep. How about you? You got your back pocket songs. Again, depending upon where we are, there's a lot of things. So, you know, I have horns in my band, so we have some interesting things we can go to. So smooth would always Mm -hmm. do that. We have this, you know, five piece orange section blasting out that line to smooth. Yeah. Pretty much always. And I'm trying to think how old is that? Is that song? Is that song 15 years old now? Smooth. Yeah. Yeah, it might be. Wow. (laughs) I feel like it's new, but it's not new No. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that Latin groove is just always something that works. Yeah. You know, earth, wind and fire. Those are just, and and we play those pretty good, you know? So September sing a song. Let's groove tonight. I mean, you know, the, these are songs that just make people happy. And, you know, as a little bit of sidebar, it's funny. We're, we're in the winter time now where in my band, this is the time of year where we refresh our set list. Cause we play a lot from May to October. We don't really rehearse from May to October. So January to May is when we kind of like are working on our new stuff. And we had a really interesting discussion this year about, you know, what works. And we've done some stuff that is a, going back to that theme of being too clever but these songs that kind of have this, our job is to make people happy. So these songs that have this kind of happy lilting vibe to them, those are the songs that tend to end up in, uh, in that category. We just started working on Treasure by Bruno Mars. Oh, what a killer song. Killer song. Yep. Totally simple progression, right? Yep. But the groove is unbelievable. But it's that kind of happy, I mean, it's... If you do it right and just let the song take care of business, yep. th- those are the types of songs that go into the pocket for these, you know, they're just going to always save the night for you, no matter what's going on. Do you play a lot of private parties? Yeah. I, and we play our share of them, probably half a dozen to uh, anywhere between five and 15 a year. Yeah. So private parties are weird ones to us because invariably you make your money and make people happy the last six or seven songs of the night, you know, they're, they're socializing. It's not about the band. Maybe the band's a little too loud for the environment, you know, whatever yep. it is, but, but, but nobody's dancing to the band at, at private parties, almost right from the, from the, you know, these are like, you know, birthday parties or, you know, these types of things, you know, they're there to party, but they're kind of into each other. And you're like, what the heck is going on? And then all of a sudden I, I have a theory about it. We can come back go, to my theory about that, but I'll, I'll make a note. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. So all of a sudden, 30 minutes to go, you've, you've played to nobody all night. I mean, you're getting a lot of nodded heads, you know, tips, you know, people giving you the thumbs up. They seem to be enjoying it fine, but invariably it's the very, very end of the gig where all of a sudden someone dances three, four songs, and then you're done. One encore, everybody's happy. You know, the hosts are happy. The people hired you are happy, but you know, you've played for two hours, two and a half or three hours. But it seems like for a lot of these things, the the dancing parts of it come down to the end of the gig. Yeah. That, so my, my theory about and I've 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 watched this happen at various private parties we played. I, I always feel like the host of a party, unless they're seasoned at doing exactly this type of party. And even if they are sometimes uh, they don't know how to time and pace a party because more often than not. The at least the initial focus of a private party is for people to mingle and socialize. Right. right. They they're, they don't want music. 
And, uh, and, but the host always feels like, well, you know, the party starts at seven. So you guys probably should start at, you know, start playing at eight. It's like, oh, no, 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 no way. You know, <laughs> I'll, we'll be there and we'll be ready to play by seven. You know, we'll get set up so that we're not in your hair, obviously. And we'll yeah. be there and we'll hang out. But I'm telling you right now, you probably don't want us to play until about nine 30. And, uh, and they're like, wow, that seems so late. And like, you know what? If you want us to start at seven 30, we'll be ready. We're, we've got enough tunes for all night, but Let's just feel the room. And I always pave the way with the host and nine times out of 10, it's nine fifteen, nine thirty, when everybody's kind of finally happy. They've each got a couple of drinks in them. They've said yep. what they wanted to say to all their friends. And then it's time for the music. And then you go to 11 and you play one big long set, you know, and, and everybody's totally stoked and it, it works out way better because if you start too early while people are still trying to talk, then they actually hate you. <laughs> that makes sense. You're, you're right. You know, and, and you don't, it's, it's easy when you're planning it on paper to say, oh yeah, you know, you want the band to start right away. No, no, this is a, you know, your event is going to progress throughout the evening and our part is, is over here. Yeah. That's I my totally feeling. agree. Yeah. No, no, that makes a lot of sense. They mingle, they got to get a little bit loose. Yep. You know, they, they say hi to who I want to say hi to. And then all of a sudden it's like, we're ready to party. So yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me, but, but like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yep. you're playing a crickets all night and then all of a sudden everybody's having a great time, but you're done, but you're done. Yeah, that's right. So when you're doing, you know, I have, we, we talked about our, our get em up songs. I have songs that I like to play when it's, when, when that flow is happening, right? When things, people have been grooving for a couple of tunes and you just want to keep it going. They haven't been grooving too long that you need to give them a break. Right. But you know, there's that thing. And the question is, you know, how long do you wait until you slide one of those in? And it's just the perfect song for the moment. And, and my favorites, my favorite go-to song, probably in part, at least because as the drummer, I can start it in our band. And, and sometimes you just have to go and you, you don't have to wait for somebody else to start a tune is, um, is boogie on reggae woman. Cause I can just, start that groove, but it's got to come out of something where people are just up and then it's just, it flows and it brings it to a whole other level. Do you, do you, so I, I really like, and you know, I'm a, I've always appreciated bands that react to the crowd and, and improvise. I'm a jazz guy going way back, a fusion guy, a big fish fan. Um, and they, they really, uh, have perfected the art of, of reacting to the crowd in the moment and kind of controlling that flow. So I really get off on, on when, you know, it's the right time to pull the right song in and you do it. And it's like, oh yeah, perfect. Yeah, you- I, I like it when it well, so a guitar player is going to have a different perspective on that because yep. a guitar player plays the riffs that get people going, yay, right. you know? So, you, you know, as a guitar player, you kind of know what those things are. So a good cover band example is Jesse's Girl. Mm-hmm. You play the first four bars of Jesse's Girl. If it's the right time and the right place, you're, you're, you're over the top. You're done. I mean, you own them. Yep. That's a good. And I would say actually Sweet Home probably goes into Same that. Same way. Yep. Right. You know, it's a riff. And that's, you know, these are the riffs you and I grew up on. And these are the riffs that, uh, you know, I want to do that. And people want to hear that and they want to sing along to that. And so, uh, you know, I have a little bit of a different perspective. I mean, great groove songs. Absolutely. I mean, how about um, I guess enough time has gone by, but, you know, you get that same reaction from uh, play that funky music or brick house. Right. You know, yep. Immediately. You know, four bars, if it's the right time and right place, it's not, oh, that again. It's like, 
oh, this is a party, you know, yeah. and that that's the difference. Yeah. Superstitions the same way. Oh, yeah. In absolutely. fact, superstition has both. Right. <laughs> superstition yeah. feeds both of those things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there's those good tunes. Mustang Sally. What you feeling on Mustang Sally? Well, I said this last week. If songs that get people into it, yep. I, if there's five musicians out there in the in the audience going, "Oh, they're doing that," I, I really don't worry about them. Nope. You know, if if I have fifty people singing along with me, I win. I guess that's the way I feel about it. So, hey, it's the blues, and you know, my band is actually. You know, my band is good musicians. They find their way in Mustang Sally. All of a sudden, the horns have put together a different line. You know, everybody takes a solo and they get off on it. So, you know, let's not be too highbrow about this stuff, right? Mustang Sally gets the job done. You get everybody in your audience singing along. They go home. They remember that they were part of something special, and, and that's cool. There have been nights where Mustang Sally is the moment that I'm thinking about in the car on the way home. Uh, you know, yeah. I, either because of the way the crowd reacted or the band locked in some harmonies on it or, you know, what or the groove that, you know, there's there's actually some subtlety to that song that a lot of bands tend to miss. And and there's a real lock in between that, that that simple little guitar groove that actually most guitarists don't even play. And the way that fits in with the kind of the very simplistic, you, you know, drum and bass kind of groove that's happening and when yeah. oh, it's it's African, right? I, I think of I think of um, of African music when I when I think of that song and really any of that kind of soul and, and funk stuff where each person has to play their part. And it's not your job to play the whole song. Right. Right. right? You know, it's some rock tunes. You can just play balls to the wall and everybody can and it works. But that soon that tune, it's like, you know, you play your part. But it's not all up to you. The other guy's got to do his part and that guy's got to do his part. And when it comes together, that can be a pretty special thing. There's, there's oh, a reason so, that tune works. Absolutely. So um, that's Wilson Pickett, right? And so that's, yeah. you know, I think that's the original Stax house band playing underneath him. Yeah, that's right. Is yeah. That right? Serious players. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Guys who understand space and guys who, uh, you know, and, and that that is another. It's a great episode that we should just have. It's like, what is the difference between a really polished band and, 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 you know, kind of the traditional bar band that just kind of just goes balls to the wall, you know, Bashes for the whole show. Out. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and there's not a right or wrong nope. uh, uh, given the, except, except in something like Mustang Sally. So if you, if you turn Mustang Sally into balls to the wall and you miss all that nuance, you've really kind of taken a dump on a pretty classic song. And, I, and, and yeah, I, my guess is that there are, that I, as a, as a, as a general rule, I, I would agree with you. I bet there's been a time that a metal band has played Mustang Sally and it was freaking awesome though. Yeah, but that's because they're doing it on purpose, not right. from lack lack of clue. Yes, right. Yes, yes. The, well, that song needs to be played with intention. Now, what that intention is, that can be up to the uh, up to the musician. But yeah, it needs to. You can't just bang it out. It's you got to yeah. slip into that one. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. yeah. I got no problem with Mustang so, Sally. How about um, talk to me about your last 15 to 20 minutes of a show, including your encore, what, what are your go-tos for the end of the show? You know, it depends if people are, if people are up, we'll keep them up with the, you know, the happy dance tunes, but, um, and, and we'll end big with something, uh, in, we play that arrangement, a long train running that, uh, that you shared with me years ago with the horns and stuff. We actually, we've, we've made it work with and without horns, um, that, a lot of times though, we'll burn that one as a first set ender. Cause it's, it, it can be a good thing if people are kind of still chilling out, but it, a nice big way to end that set. But that one can, that one can be a big one. Um, but 
a lot of times for the encore, especially after like a crazy three set night and things are really nuts. Sometimes I'll switch gears and go to day in the life. Wow. Yeah. Bold. It, you know what? It works because it brings the, it, it's a song that first of all, people aren't expecting to hear, especially at that moment, but really in any club, it's just a song that most bands don't play, but people know it. Everybody knows yep. it. And yep, it brings yep. the people, you know, that there'll be the, whatever the people that were up against the stage all night. And then there were the, you know, six people over by the pool table that were just kind of hanging out and playing pool. Those six people are the ones that turn their heads when you start day in the life. And they're like, what is going on over there? It kind of sucks them in a little bit, you know, because it's just kind of one thing to kind of bring the whole night together. You're like baby, baby or rich man would be a good one for that as well. Right. Yeah. It's a song that people just it's in their DNA. They've heard it their whole life. It's time to bring it down a little bit and and uh, just send them off, you know, kind of feeling good from head to toe. That's right. But sometimes it's comfortably numb too, right? In the, for the, it serves the same purpose. You know, people aren't really going to dance to that tune, right? But it's the same kind of thing. Now, of course, it's a much bigger tune than than Day in the Life in, in terms of you know intensity. But um, but it it serves that same purpose. So I'll I'll do that sometimes. But other times, we, you know, you end with Pinball Wizard, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it's just sometimes it's the right thing. Yeah. Hey, I have to correct myself here because I know there's going to be knowledgeable musicians listening to us. And, 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 and in actuality, Mustang Sally was recorded at Fame Studios in Muscle Shoals. Oh, so as is. much as we want to, yeah, we, we want to be, you know, as accurate as we can be yeah. here. There's so much great stuff to say about Stacks and the house band there. But uh, Mustang Sally in particular is part of that Muscle Shoals. Yeah, of sound. course it was. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Our guitar player in Fling, um, we had we had kind of put Mustang Sally on a shelf and 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 let it sit for a little while. And he wound up watching that Muscle Shoals movie that came out and mm-hmm. came to rehearsal. And he's like, oh, this tune, there's so much more to this tune. I'm like, yeah, of course. He's like, I know it. Like, great. And then we so we brought it back and, and came into. So, of course, it was Muscle Shoals. That's right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many slow songs do you do in a night now? Um, it depends. Probably not as many as we should. Um, it's easy to ride the energy wave, but uh, but I try to put in a in a typical hour long set. I try to have two at least. But I probably should have us. more. Is that more than I, you? <laughs> well, you know, you're, you're talking about that adrenaline wave, and so. We we'll have a place uh, about two thirds of the way through the first set of a of a of a you know kind of like two hour fifteen minute set show right so yep. you know a three hour show would be about that and then uh, so about two thirds of the way through the first set and we've been doing um, we've been doing uh, Al Green uh, we have you know a couple Tower Power slow songs um, we used to do You Make Me So Very Happy that was kind of a fun oh, one wow. to do yeah yeah that 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 you have to really uh, that's another one. It sounds dated if you don't do it well. Um, second set, it all depends how we feel. And, and it's a, an ongoing discussion in my band. Do we need to give them a break because we've been going so hard? Do we need to give people, but it, it's so fun and we're on such a roll, but yeah, we will throw my girl in. Um, you're still a young man as a tower power song that we do. Uh, let's see. Let's get it on. Yep. Although, yeah. So, uh, but if we get two in in a night, that's that's unusual. Um, usually one, but people, I ask you the question because it doesn't seem like there's that as much interest in slow songs as there used to be. It seems like people just want to sweat it out when they come out for a dancing night. Yeah. So in it, 
And this is where, you know, there's some philosophy that goes in, which is what we're talking about in the first set. I'll do a slow song. You know, I like to come out of the gate pretty strong unless it's uh, unless it's a, a night, you know, in the, a vibe where people are like finishing a dinner or something. And then you got to kind of adjust the set. But I I hate easing into a set like that. I feel like if it's not time for us to play, we should just wait an extra 15 minutes and then play. Um, um, but sometimes you don't get to make that choice, right? Sometimes, right. you know, so, but if I get to make the choice, come out strong, not totally, you know, crazy, but you know, three or four tunes that are, that are relatively high energy, moderate to a moderate to fast tempo, you know, kind of thing and, and, and loosen up a little bit. And then I like two slow songs right there. Uh, wow. yep. And, uh, and, and sometimes a lot of times, We'll uh, we'll segue two things together that kind of work. We um, we we have uh, come together, you know, the Beatles tune, obviously. Yeah. And uh, we segue that into a fish tune called free that that works pretty well. And they've they've got a similar thing, but it's different enough. And and those two together can work. We put uh, Tangerine, the Zeppelin tune. We segue that into Little Feet's Easy to Slip. <laughs> oh, it's killer. <laughs> and and so those little those little things work great at that, you know, four to five, five to six song mark of the of the first set. In the second set, once things are warmed up, you know, and people are up and moving, usually from song one and and that uh, the slow songs are important. But for a different reason, they have to be songs that people know. And yep. if it's a song people know then it can really work to kind of pull a room together. You've got people, they've been sweaty. So you play something like a, a champagne supernova by Oasis or a Wonderwall by again, by Oasis, nowhere, man, right. Uh, lose that girl. Uh, not really a slow song, but Mrs. Robinson or, or uh, 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 me and Julio by, uh, by uh, Simon and Garfunkel, right? Yeah. Those, those kinds of things to bring it, to keep, to open it up, make it a little more sparse. Lola works well as a uh, slow song for most of it anyway, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've got some originals that work well in that thing. We play a song called the Cowboy Song, which is not, we call it the Cowboy Song. Um, the end is the not. Thin Lizzy? What's that? No, 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 no. I'm trying to think of who originally did it. Um uh, I'll look it up, but, uh, but that one kind of works. That one actually works as a, as an end of the night song. Um, uh, now I'm, now I'm looking on, online, but I won't find it fast enough, but, uh, the amazing rhythm aces, the end oh, is yeah. not in sight is the name of the, the name of the tune. That's right. Yeah. We call it the cowboy song. So that, that's kind of a, you know, just, just to make it light and, and, and make it so that the next time you go into something, you know, heavier, um, that it, that it has an impact as opposed to just, you know, I feel like people get numb to that after a while, you know, you, you just keep cooking and, uh, and those, those faster songs, the bigger songs don't feel as big if they just are sandwiched between other big songs. So, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I do find that the slow songs work well. There are times when that, that results in us completely laying an egg on the stage and then that's the end of it. Right. So it, you, you can, it is a risk. But it's not not a huge risk, especially like I said, if you're picking songs like I mentioned that people just know, and um, and and you know you get them, uh, they're right there, and then you come back so out I, with like a no matter what or something, and you know everybody's back up and you're good to go. Absolutely, yeah. We have a bunch of songs that are um, they're solid songs, but they're not the crazy high energy songs, and, right. and these are the often like you say you'll wait that extra fifteen minutes. 
I don't mind, you know, taking the stage and going. So we have like um, Down to the Nightclub by Tower of Power. That's yep. kind of that, you know, just kind of lilting groove, right? You know, just funky, you know, it sounds great because the band is tight, you know, but it's not this high energy thing. It gets the evening off really well. Uh, we I got to get you into my life that the, the tower, the, uh, the Earth, Beatles, Wind, Fire tower version. Power thing. Sure. Yep. yep. Yeah. Earth, Wind, Fire. Earth, Wind, Fire. Then, That's right. Yeah. Um, we've been doing in excess is what you need. Oh, killer tune. Yeah, it is. A, I mean, there's so much for in, in excess to, to grab, but, uh, that, that's another one. It's not like, it's not these kind of like balls to the wall, you know, crush them. Uh, and I'll give you an example. Here's the end of our show. So Jesse's girl, glory days, what I like about you fire by the Ohio players, uh, this new uptown funk that people lose their mind over from Bruno Mars. Yeah. Uh, call me Al shout when this, this version of long train running with the horn uh, arrangement. So that's, you know, that's seven or eight songs are like pretty go, you know? Yeah. That's go, good. go. <laughs> that's what you gotta do. That's what you gotta do. Yeah. 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 That's good. That's all fun though. I mean, it, it's, it's art and science. I was, it, it's our art, right? You know, right. we want to say something. We want people to feel something. We want people to enjoy the band. And so crafting a set list, that's like a, a cool story for people, you know, and thinking about whether it's the people who come and see you every time. Are you saying something to them that is something new every time they see you, the people who are catching you for the first time and trying to, you're trying to get them to convert them to be fans. You know, what are you doing every time out? So I, I love writing set lists. I, I mean, I, I spend an inordinate amount of time thinking about it. I, I do too. I, and, and the funny thing is usually what happens at a gig, eh, I'd say at least 50% of the time, is that we don't follow the list at all. It's it's audibles all night long. But um and and usually the first audible is the first song and I and I comes to me as I'm uh in the washroom uh preparing to to head out on stage, you know, just getting uh getting that last, you know, getting set. Um Funny. Yeah. But um but I but I put it, I'll I'll spend an hour writing a set list for a gig or more, you know, and it sometimes is over the course of a couple of days, I'll have ideas about, Oh, this and that, but that prep, even, even if we don't play any of it, that prep time actually all factors in because all these songs are in my head and I've thought about different combinations of, okay, these three songs together would work or, you know, this, this, that, and the other, and I'll wind up picking one permutation of it and then realize in the moment, Oh, a different one or somebody else will, will start a tune if the flow is going right. And I, I really like the audible, um, at least the, the option of the audible, because it's not always the right thing to play the song that you picked yesterday when you were writing the set list down in your office. Right. I agree. Um, we're, we're a little more structured. So, so, you know, you got more 10 guys. Yeah, that's, that's right. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, you know, I got good advice years ago that what Zappa used to do with, he used to take two or three songs and clump them together. And those, those songs live together. If, if not for that tour, forever. Right. So we have our clumps that, you know, that I can take, you know, th- these three off the shelf and they kind of go interchangeably together. And that's always been very helpful for, you know, controlling the flow of a set list. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, it's, it's a lot of fun. I like it. And, and for us, even if we're in the midst of an audible, uh, night occasionally, you know, you, you're in that, and the next thing to do is not entirely apparent to you. And that's when the work of putting the set list together really pays off. Cause you can just look down and say, Oh, 
Let's do that. And there you are. Right. You know, how about the other side of it? You ever look around and you can tell your band is exhausted and you need to call a song that gets your band back on track. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Yeah. Or the guitar players had too much to drink and there's no way he's Uh going to make it through singing another song. Right. (laughs) That doesn't happen often. What's that? (laughs) That never happens, Dave. Not in bands that you and I have been in together, Paul, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, but it happens sometimes, you know, um, I think it happens to all of us. I, I, I remember one of the early Macworld all-star band gigs, um, we started, it was, it was a place in, I guess it was San Francisco, the Lone Star, last, last call cafe, Lone Star. Oh Saloon, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Last day saloon. That was it. Yeah. And, uh, but we weren't that party. It wasn't our party. It was one of the last, not the knife parties that Eileen did. And, uh, and, but the gig, like we weren't supposed to start until like 1115. So we get to the club at seven or whatever. We set up, we sound check. You said to Chris and I, Let's have a shot of tequila because, you know, here we are. We're finally all together again. Great. So we had a shot of tequila. I think we had two. Then we went out to dinner. We had pizza, a couple of beers back to the club. Now it's only like 930 and a couple more beers. I, I walked up on stage. It's the it's the most I've ever had to drink going on stage. And it, it's uh, I've had I, I had I counted the next day. I had nine drinks in me by the time we hit the stage, <laughs> which is a lot for me. Uh, you know, it's way more. It's probably seven more than I would ever normally do. But, um, but it, you know, the gig was fine, I suppose. Um, it, you know, but it, it happens where you, you know, you lose track or whatever. And so, but so yes, it happens. Yeah. So there are, yeah, there are those moments where you look around and you're like, Oh, I got to bring the band out of this. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or everybody's in their own different vibe or not quite in tune or whatever it is. And you just got to regroup and you need a, you need that song that gives everyone a one song, you know, breather, so to speak. Cause it's either maybe a song that is, so wrote and and will work you know you know what a good one for that is domino by van morrison oh wow always works most bands can play it and get the vibe going yeah pretty pretty dead easy to play and uh you know it's not it's not a thousand miles per hour right you know but it grooves and it's fun and usually changes the atmosphere in the room but you know i i know there, there have been those nights where it you know we play a lot of gigs in the summer. Sometimes you play a room in the summer. It's just freaking hot in there and you've been going hard and you can just look around and you can tell your band they need, they need a one song breather in order to get, you know, the rest of the way to the finish line. And, uh, and you, you, having those songs that you know will work with the horns, for example, like, you know, they can only blow for so long. So yeah. I will, I always have, day tripper in, in the back of my pocket that if I know I need to give the, you know, even if we're cruising late in the late in the last set, but they've been blowing their brains out and they need one song to let the blood get back into their lips. Day tripper. That's a great idea. Yeah. Horns take the horns, take a one song break. They're back and energized. It's all it takes really. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's literally about blood flowing into their lips. Right. And right. Uh, so yeah, we have um, a we have a tune that I I specifically never put on the set list, but we almost always play, um, and it's for exactly that purpose. When we feel like we need to put on our comfortable slippers and just chill for a minute and and get back to center, you know. And it's a it's actually it's a cover song that no one knows. Uh, it was written. It's a tune called "Get Back Home" that was written by Ray pa- uh, Ray Pachkowski, who um, among other things plays in Trey Anastasio's band. He's his keyboard player these days. Um, but, uh, one of our bass player played with him years ago in Vermont and kept this song kind of in his repertoire. And it's a great tune, very simple tune. 
Um, like you said, not blazing tempo, but it moves and people will get up and move to it because it's it's very accessible and it, we can take it anywhere we want to go. And it sort of for, forces us all to focus on each other without having to intently focus because it's it's technically difficult or anything. And right. and it brings us all home. And and usually it becomes a huge thing. And we get a, a great little jam in the middle and our guitar player will take it out or somebody will take it out and, and we bring it all back together. And it is it's it, you have to have something that serves that purpose. A couple of years ago at Macworld Expo, uh, you had Little Feet play at uh, the uh, the Macworld party, right? Yep. They, yep. I swear, we watched them do that. They came out, and I, f- I forget what they started with, but things were horrible for them. You could tell the sound on stage sucked. They weren't feeling it. And then, about after two songs, they played "Skin It Back," and uh, and you could tell that this was their home. I mean, and this is a song they've been playing for decades, right? You, you know. Yep. And by the time they got about to the halfway through the first verse, they were all somewhere else and in a good way. Right. They finally found their place together. It was like, okay, now we're little feet. Here we are. Now we can play the rest of the show. And it really I don't know if that was the tune on the set list or not, but it sure felt like they looked around like, whoa, we got to pull this one together. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you have in your band a lot more what I would call in my band, I call them vanity songs there. You know, like we play stuff. People know. Yeah. I give us, I give us one to two songs a night that are, you know, and, and it might be one of mine. It might be one of anybody in the band, mm-hmm. but one or two songs that they're just because we love the songs. So want we really want to express the song. So how about next time, next podcast, we talk all about vanity songs, songs yeah. that you just play because you like, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, and ha- where do you put them? And what do you think about when you play them? Yeah, I like it. I like All it, right, man. man. Yeah, man. Good. Well, this has been fun. This, 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 we didn't even have to think about this one. I'm quite sure the concept of set list will come up over and over and, and over again. It's a big deal. I think so. I think so. It, it, it's important. It's, it is. You got to get it right. And you get it yeah. wrong and then you learn. And that's how it goes. That's right. Thanks for hanging out, Paul. Thanks for. All right. Uh, yeah, man. We'll see Good you next talking time. Good talk and hope. Yeah, I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. We'll be back next week. More good stuff on Gig Gab.